This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome you in to another edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. I am Greg Frank, and this is Showtime Goes Undercover with Greg Frank. We have plenty of football to get to this weekend. Week three on the college gridiron and week number two in the National Football League. As I said, joined by Showtime, a.k.a. Matt Siegel. I am Greg Frank. We got a whole lot of picks to get to, and we'll also hit on the biggest games in the college and professional ranks. Not always do you have to play the biggest games, but we're going to touch on them as well. Matt, it's good to talk to you again. How are you doing? What up, Greg? I'm excited for week three college football, NFL week two. We're really getting underway here. You know, weeks one, weeks two, weeks three. It's really exciting again, you know, still to have it back, still a little new. It's, it's nice to see the teams finding their stride. I, you know, I can't, I can't wait to see what happens in week two. You know, and you mentioned that right off the bat. We'll get to our NFL picks a little bit later, but uh, this can also apply to college football still in week three. This is a prime opportunity the next couple of weeks to capitalize on some overreactions with some lines because we still don't necessarily know a ton about these teams, both in college and professional ranks. And Greg, you know, don't, don't forget, you got a lot of teams making their road, their first road games or playing their first road games this week. Playing in the, the first case home of college, games, you, you know. had teams that played, you know, FCS opponents and kicked the crap out of non-conference teams. We start to see some more conference games this week and a lot more next week. So we're going to learn it. a lot more about all these teams in the NFL and college the next couple of weeks. That's for sure. I, I yeah, I love it. You know, no, no huge marquee ranked matchups this week in college football. But like you said, there's some teams getting their feet wet, playing opponents better better than they played in the first two weeks. And, and I, I can't wait to see how they fare. And I suppose that's the perfect segue to my first college football pick here for week number three. You talk about a team that is on the rise and its opponent finally playing a better team, probably the best opponent so far for Florida State. It's the Virginia Cavaliers. I'm going to lay over the touchdown with Virginia at home, seven in the hook. I got in with the Cavaliers, and I like this play because I talked about this in a handicap back in week number one with Stanford and Northwestern, and I mentioned how it kind of felt like the Stanford program was kind of flatlining a little bit, and if anything, going down, whereas the Northwestern program was on the way up and won the Big Ten West last year, and unfortunately that bad beat cost me the cover. But I'm looking at, I'm seeing a very similar spot here where I see a Virginia program under Bronco Mendenhall that has made continued strides the last couple of years and now is primed to really make a run in the ACC. The ACC is wide open after Clemson, so there's certainly some room for a Virginia to perhaps, you know, not necessarily go all the way to the college football playoff, but certainly end the year with a very respectable 9-10 win season. And then you look at Florida State, and what a disaster the start has been for Florida State. I was on them in week one against Boise, and they blew it in the second half. They couldn't beat a true freshman quarterback at home. Then last week against Louisiana Monroe, <laughs> I thought Monroe should have gone for two to try and win the game. But Florida yeah, State, I don't know what that was all about. 
Yeah, Florida State been very underwhelming two games in. Virginia, a convincing win over Pittsburgh in the ACC to start the year. They blew out William & Mary last year. I just am buying what this Virginia program is selling right now. I'll lay the seven and a half with Virginia. Craig, I, I'm right there with you. You know, this was a target game for me. I'm going a slightly different avenue here, though. I'm not taking the seven and a half. I'm actually going UVA team total over, and I got that at 32 and a half. FSU's played two pathetic games. I really have no words for that. I, I'm surprised that, that Taggart is still the coach there. I, I don't know if he's going to make it the full season, Greg. I really don't because when you come out that great in the first half of both games and then you look that bad in the second half, that's got to be coaching. The other coach is making adjustments, and he's beating you in the second half, and you're not making the necessary adjustments. Florida State let up 44 points to, to last week and 36 the first week, both at home. You know, now this is their first road test where, like I said, the team, the team total is 32.5. So Florida State's allowed that both of the past two weeks. UVA put up 30 points on the road, their first game against Pitt. Slightly under the mark, but again, that was on the road in their opening week. Then they came home and had a nice dominating victory, as you said, against William & Mary, where they put up 52 points. And again, I, I think this Florida State team is trending downwards. I think this UVA team is trending upwards. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I like to mention that they have a little fake ranking next to their name, as I keep referring to, 20-25. But we know UVA is a basketball school, right? So that's 25 next to their football team. That means that, a little more. That, that means a little more, right? When you get these teams that are basketball schools, their football schools want to compete with their basketball schools. UVA is always a top five team in, in the college hoops. But when they get that 25 ranking, you know, they see an opportunity to beat a school like Florida State at home at their at their home opener this or their home game last week when they, they didn't travel. You know, I, I see UVA going over the total 32 and a half. And I lean you there with the cover of minus seven and a half. But I'm sticking with the total because I do think the total goes over as well. But I'm putting my money in UVA scoring 33 or more points. Yeah, and it's obviously just a different way of looking at this game. But it sounds like we are pretty much aligned with how we see this one playing out. Just two last points I want to make. Florida State, I mentioned I was on them week one. Matt, I think you'll agree with this wholeheartedly. Just as important uh, as it is kind of initially identifying a competitive advantage to being able to cut your losses and get off a bandwagon rather than have the losses pile up. And that's where I'm at with Florida State. I, as I said, I was on them against Boise State. I just haven't seen anything. And I thought Florida State was going to be pretty good this year. But I got to get off now before it gets worse. Yeah, I mean, ironically, to your point, you know, I, I, I don't know if you remember, Greg, but I mean, I'm sure I, I, I definitely remember my followers remember. I actually played Florida State first half, first two games. So, you know, I'm 2-0 playing Florida State. There, right? Or did they cover the first half? Yeah, they, they, they covered the first half last week. You know, they won 24-7 to in the first half. That spread, I got in at 13.5, covered, obviously. You know, that, like I said, that just really shows coaching. So I feel I have a really good read on this Florida State team. And that's why, like I said, you know, I think they're going to put up a fight. I really do in this game. And I think we're going to see a lot of points. But ultimately, that's why I went with the points the team total over because I think UVA is going to score points. And let me tell you, if Florida State can't, can't hold uh, ULM under 32 and a half and they can't hold Boise State under 32 and a half, what tells me that they're going to hold this UVA team who's been rolling in their first two games and they're at home under 32 and a half? I don't see it. I see 33 points. One at last trend here, which I'll get to. Willie Taggart, last six games as a road underdog. One in five straight up. I'm sorry, one in five against the spread. 0 oh in six straight up. So that also kind of speaks to your coaching thing. Doesn't do the best of jobs in terms of getting his team up for these big games in big spots as an underdog. Lastly on Virginia, keep an eye out for Virginia in two weeks. We'll really get a better feel for how good they are when they go to South Bend to play the Irish. That'll be a really important game. And if they win this game, which we're thinking they will, then all they got to do is beat Old Dominion and they will roll into South Bend at 4-0. That'll be an intriguing week five game and let me tell you I, I really hope florida state gets gets the crap kicked out in here you want to know why because that means in a couple weeks we might be seeing willie taggart on our podcast we might be having a conversation with him because he <laughs> will be jobless <laughs> i love it i love it let's go to another game i'm going to take the michigan state spartans as a big home favorite this number has since moved through the key of 14 i still like it i got in at michigan state minus 13 and a half classic Classic revenge spot here for Michigan State up against Arizona State, who they lost to last year in Tempe in a scorching hot evening game early in the season. 
I mentioned in our uh, one of our earlier pods that I was in on Michigan State as a bounce back team from a year ago. And I say bounce back. They were still a bowl team last year. But as we know, Michigan State, a team that has made the college football playoff before. And I think it's going to have a chance to crash the party this year. I do think the Big Ten champion is going to get in. And if you had to pick between Ohio State, Michigan State and Michigan right now, you're obviously taking Ohio State. But I'm definitely taking Michigan State over Michigan right now, the way Michigan looked last week against Army. That's true. I think Michigan State is going to roll into its conference game against Ohio State with a lot of momentum and have a chance to supplant the Buckeyes. Obviously, that game is not until the beginning of October, but that'll be a huge one in Columbus. Bringing it back to this game, Michigan State, as I mentioned, the revenge angle against Arizona State, the Spartans are returning their quarterback leading rusher, leading receiver from a year ago. Then you look at Arizona State. Their two games against Kent State and Sacramento State. This is quite a step up for Arizona State, traveling to East Lansing, a pretty good home field advantage. I love the Spartans here. They were very convincing in a 51-17 victory over Western Michigan. I'll gladly lay the lumber. I'll take Michigan State and Mark D'Antonio. Minus the 13 and a half, minus 14, minus 14 and a half. I'd like this probably all the way up to Michigan State, minus 17. Greg, I'm right there with you. I got it in a 13 and a half. I can't agree that I like it all the way up to 17. You know, maybe that's just how I got 13 and a half. But I do like a blowout here. I also lean towards the under here. Out of the first four games that both these teams has played, three out of the four games have went under. So I lean towards the under. I think this is a dominating performance, offense and defensively for Michigan State. I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona State it doesn't even score a touchdown, Greg. I have a few angles on this game. I also lean their team total under. I've seen it at 14. I've seen it at 13 and a half. Like I said, I think Michigan State rolls here. I like the under in the first half. I like Michigan State first half. I'm all over the Spartans and the under here. You know, Arizona State, like you said, they opened their first two games at home against not even close to Michigan State competition level. And they failed to cover in both games, you know. So those were both letdown games. Yeah, they walked away with the W, but they won 19 to 7 against Sacramento State when they were 35 and a half point favorites. They won 30 to 7. You know, they just missed the cover there, but they were 24 and a half point favorites. You know, now they're traveling cross country, a little bit of a time change. Not to mention, Michigan State is playing its third game at home to open the season. So they haven't traveled once. They're not tired. They had an easy win last week. They covered. They've been at home. Like I said, Michigan State is on a mission. Like you said, they, they have Ohio State next month, but before that, after this week, they're at Northwestern. This is one more game. They're going to walk into Northwestern 3-0, and, and, and that's a big game for them. This is a tune-up game for that week. They're going to they're gonna beat Arizona State. I'm looking at something like 28-3, call it a day. Arizona State, pack your bags, get out of there. Let's go, Michigan State. One last thing on this game, which you touched on how you don't think Arizona State's going to score much. I think that's why... In certain games that we think are going to be blowouts, in a weird way, if you're going to play the total, a lot of times I find myself in college leaning under. Look at Ohio State and Cincinnati last week. Cincinnati gets shut out, and Ohio State ends up winning the game 42 to nothing, but the under still cashes there pretty easily. Uh, obviously with a shutout. And normally, what, what, why would that be, right? Because when you get blowout games, the running plays accumulate in the second half, and there's just not as many scoring opportunities. So I just think a general rule of thumb, in games with a big point spread, I like to lean to the under. Yeah, and let me tell you, this is something that my followers, I'm sure, have been seeing I do. You know, if this game does go over first half, which it may, I don't think so, but it may, it's probably going to be because Michigan State is up 24 to 0 at half. And then at that point, I'll look to take second half because, like I said, I've spoke about before, teams like this, they take the foot off the gas. They have the W secured. Arizona State pretty much wants to throw in the white flag and get on the bus midway through the third quarter. Obviously, they can't because we got people paying for those tickets. But come on, we know this game will be over halfway through the second, maybe halfway through the third. I didn't even touch on the revenge factor. Like you said, Michigan State is going to come in here. They're going to get their business done, and they're going to move on, and they're going to be looking at Northwestern the following week. This is this is a get-in, get-out game. Even though it's at home, they, they are fully focused, and their first two wins this season have showed it. Especially, like you said, with Michigan struggling, Michigan State seizes their opportunity, and they're going to keep climbing to the top. Let's keep things rolling, and I am going to go to Starkville, Mississippi, and I'm going to look to play a live underdog, the Kansas State Wildcats, plus the 8.5 
in one of the earlier games of the afternoon. Uh, and I'm looking at this Kansas State team, year number one under Chris Kleiman. Wow, have they been very impressive offensively. 49-14 to over Nichols State, 52 to nothing over Bowling Green. Listen, I understand the opponents there. But at the same time, I don't care who you're playing. If you're outscoring your opposition 101-14, to I have to look at you catching eight and a half points against a middle-of-the-road SEC team. And Covered both games, Greg. Exactly. Covered both games. Thank you. Took the words right out of my mouth. I looked at Mississippi State at the beginning of the season and thought that the seven and a half win total was a little high in an SEC that's bogged down with plenty of ranked teams. The Bulldogs are not one of them. And I thought that this non-conference game would be a little bit easier for a Mississippi State than it, I think it's shaping up to be. I think this game's going right down to the wire because Kansas State's going to be able to score. I would lean towards the over if playing the total, but I think the better play here is to take the points with the Wildcats. As I said, year number one for Chris Kleiman. He's a guy that I watch closely being out here in northern Minnesota. I'm not too far from Fargo. I watched him very closely when he was at North Dakota State University and his game prep to me every time I watched the North Dakota State game, interviewed him a couple times. Guy just eats his game film and is always ready for the next challenge. You can never fault his teams for not being ready. I think they're going to be really ready for this game. I think this is a statement opportunity. On ESPN, Greg. On ESPN. On ESPN, national TV, year number one with Kleiman. I think this is a great opportunity for them to make a statement and say, you know, sometimes it takes a couple years under a new coach, but we're ready to win right now. Give me Kansas State plus the eight and a half. Yeah, you know, Greg, again, I'm right there with you. You know, everyone listening, you guys you guys know my heart on for the SEC, right? But it's but it's not it's not this game. Mississippi State, I'm not with you here. Kansas State is going to cover this seven and a half. I actually got it eight. I put it out the other day. They've had two convincing wins, like you said, covering in both games at home, outscoring their opponents tremendously. Mississippi State, you know, they couldn't they didn't cover their first game on the road, and they really struggled to win. They only won by ten. They were the twenty point favorites. You know, even at, when they came back home last week, they didn't have that impressive of a win. Yeah, they got the cover. It just wasn't too impressive for me. But like you said, something you also touched on, out of the first four games these, both these teams have played, three out of the four games have went over. I like the over here. I like a shootout. I locked in the over and the plus eight because, like you said, I think it comes down to the end. I'll take the eight points because I don't think this Mississippi State team is going to be able to stop Kansas State. I am not playing Kansas State on the money line, but give me the over 52. Give me eight. And this game is going to be decided within a touchdown, whichever way it goes. And you've certainly touched on some lunch money plays. I know you're not doing that with Kansas State on the money line. But anybody that does, I don't fault you because I think they do have a chance to win this game. No, out. I certainly don't fault you. I, I'm just not playing it. You know, sure. I typically like to go my lunch money money line plays at home because obviously we spoke about the home edge. But, you know, I would be foolish to tell you if a touchdown road dog never pulled off the W. Let's move on. And I am going to give another pick uh, with a – Pac-12 team playing out a conference. I'm going to look to the BYU Cougars at home, catching four points against the USC Trojans. This is a classic sandwich spot here for Southern Cal. Last week, the Trojans scored more than I certainly thought they did. That was one of my losers. That was impressive. Yeah, USC Stanford, I had under. USC with 45 points goes over the game total by themselves. So you look at that, it was a Big win in against a conference rival in Stanford. And guess who's on deck for USC next week? It's a home date on Friday night in prime time against the Utah Utes, who are probably, now that Oregon lost, the best chance for the Pac-12 to get a team into the college Greg, football. Greg, let me pause now, you right there. Now, does it scare you that BYU is playing Washington the following week? Is that Does that take away from the sandwich what, spot for USC? You no, know, it doesn't because I'm looking at the – home team catching over a field goal here thinking that there's more expectations on USC anyway and that game next week against Utah is more of a look ahead for USC than Washington would be for BYU. BYU yeah, and, are its big rivalry game opening the year against No, Utah. I just wanted to see what you think because I actually agree because here's the difference too. USC is playing this game on the road and then they come home. So for their home right. crowd, there's a lot of pressure as opposed to BYU they're coming off a big road win at Tennessee, but now they play both back-to-back games at home. So they're just, they, you know, there's no head game here. Fans. You put out for your home crowd every time you play because those are your fans and those are your brothers. 
can't pass up this spot here. Like you said, USC off a big win last week. This is just a classic spot. Now they're traveling to BYU. I know BYU was off of a big win on Tennessee. It's just, like you said, it's a classic spot. They're looking ahead at Utah. I think BYU had a slight letdown game in Utah or in Utah week one. I think we all expected BYU to be a little bit better. They had a bounce back game against Tennessee. And I just really think that BYU can really show the team that we kind of thought they could be in the next two weeks. And I really think it starts here. And it was really nice to see after a poor performance from their quarterback, week two bounce back. You know, he went for 232 yards and a touchdown, but no interception. You know, he didn't turn the ball over. And that and that's really important, especially in college football. Not turning the ball is really important. But anytime you get a double overtime win and then you can take that home, they're parlaying that win and this momentum into this home game. And they are looking at USC. And this is a game where I'm throwing not only lunch money, Greg, I'm throwing one unit at the money line, BYU, because they're walking out of this game victorious. Ooh, I love to hear that, and I'll certainly look at the money line myself. One quick thing I want to throw in just on another game, because I know we're going to touch on Kentucky and Florida before we move on. Another sandwich spot I like this week, Maryland and Temple. Maryland visits Temple off of a— hey, By the way, just so you put it out there, just so no, everyone knows what you're talking about, what, what are you referring to when you say the sandwich spot? So the sandwich spot would be you're coming off of a big win over a ranked opponent or a rivalry game, and then the following week— uh, you have kind of a, a game kind of mixed in between because the week after that is another game you circle on the schedule. So you have basically two games you circled on the schedule, and right in between is that game that might profile to be a bit of a flat spot. Yeah, so, and just to elaborate on that, you don't even got to win the week before. It's just like you said, two big games or two ranked teams or two rivals, and you got a team in the middle that usually I'll say that – that you're going to be taking for granted because you think you can definitely easily beat them. And you're more so preparing for the two monsters on the other side of them, i.e. sandwich. And that is why this less of a sandwich play because of the bye week that comes from Maryland next week. But last week, Maryland defeats Syracuse blowout game. We were both on Maryland in that one. Uh, I mentioned Maryland has a bye week oh, next easy, week. Greg. How- I wish they were all that easy, man. Oh, I know. Uh, I mentioned Maryland's bye week next week, but out of the bye, Maryland opens Big Ten play against none other than the Penn State Nittany Lions. So I'm looking at Temple here catching seven at home. Again, thinking that Maryland off the emotional high, maybe looking ahead to that bye week and that Penn State game, uh, another kind of little spot on the schedule that we like to take advantage of. I like Temple plus the seven. Just but to I want to touch keep- on that a little bit, Greg. You know, I, I, I like your angle there. I just can't get in front of this Maryland train. So the different angle I took there is I took the over. Obviously, the, sure. the total opened 62. Now it's up to 66 and a half. So there's been some movement there. But like you said, you know, we know no matter how well Temple hangs, they're not stopping this Maryland high-power offense. This Maryland offense looks great. So if you think that Temple is going to cover, you must think it's going to be a shootout. You must think there's going to be points. So I'd rather play the over than mess around with the points. But, Greg, you know, I'm rooting for you. Temple also out of a bye there, which is another reason I like that spot for Temple. Yeah, uh, Temple put up big points in their first game, I believe, 56 points. You know, they went over that game. Maryland's put up 63-79. They went over. So three combined games total all went over. I, I, I like the over here. All right, let's wrap things up with an SEC matchup, Kentucky and Florida. Uh, I played this game under the total of 50. It's since been bet down, uh, but... I love the under here because what do we really know about either offense? Terry Wilson, the quarterback for Kentucky, is out for the season. So Kentucky, a team that historically doesn't score much anyway, just lost its starting quarterback. And do we really trust Felipe Franks? We were on the first half under in the week zero game between Florida and Miami, and we hit on that one. I just don't think this Florida team is in its best interest to – unleash and and throw the ball all over the field with Felipe Franks. I think that offensively, their best path to success is going to be to run the football a lot with LaMichael Pirine on the ground. And therefore, I think going on the road to Lexington, I like this game under 50. As I said, backup quarterback for Kentucky and an offense in Florida that I just don't trust much anyway. Uh, This seems like a typical SEC war of attrition. I'm not sure who's going to win the game, uh, but I certainly like Kentucky to be fired up by its home crowd in the first conference game of the year. 
I like the game under 50. Uh, I'm seeing 48s now. Yeah, I would probably play this Greg. down to about 47, 46 and a half. So I still yeah. like I I play this at down to 46 and a half as well. I grabbed the 50 and a half uh, as early as I can on the under. So I'm right with you there. And and a a correlated play, as we talked about, that a lot of times our plays are correlated in both games. I took Kentucky plus eight. I think they're underestimating this backup quarterback. I I think at home against this Florida team, I I really think that Kentucky, you know, can cover that eight. Like you said, I think it's going to be a low scoring, a low scoring game. Kentucky's covered their their first two games. I know they had the backup quarter. I mean, the starting quarterback. But I think this team is ready to unite around around their backup quarterback at home against the ranked opponent, Florida. I am sprinkling some lunch money here on the money line as well. And, you know, just to move on, Greg, to a game we actually have that's taking place later today. I'm giving out the pick, which I already gave out a couple days ago on Twitter. But if you missed it, Wake Forest minus three at home. Greg, I got a few reasons why I like this play. You know, I know UNC is coming in 2-0. Both of us cashed in on Miami or UNC against Miami last week. We hit on plus five, and we hit on the money line as a dog at home. But let me tell you, Wake Forest is a Friday veteran. They played the first two games to open the season on Friday. Say what you want, but UNC's played them both on Saturday. This is Friday night under the lights. This is a little bit different of an atmosphere. Say what you want, but Wake Forest had an extra day of rest. You know, UNC's first road game with them, with them starting off the season two games at home and winning both outright as underdogs. Wake Forest winning both, not covering in either against Rice. They either pushed or you might have covered. You might have lost, depending on the spread. You know, they won by exactly 20. But I think this is a classic spot where UNC, off two emotional home underdog upsets, goes on the road, plays a Wake Forest team who hasn't played competition necessarily as good as UNC yet. But Wake Forest gets the best of them under the lights Friday night at home. Minus three, minus two and a half. I bought the half. Minus three, I think, is good enough. And let's quickly wrap up our college discussion with probably the biggest game on the schedule. Obviously, you got some big point spreads with Clemson and Alabama. No reason to really touch on those games. What I want to go to is college game day visiting Ames, Iowa for an in-state rivalry. It is the first time that college game day is going to Ames. That's right. Iowa State hosting the Iowa Hawkeyes. And... We've been agreeing a lot. Some disagreement can always be healthy. Sounds like we're going to get a little bit of it here. I am on the Iowa State Cyclones plus the deuce. uh, About one and a half twos out there right now. Uh, I like Iowa State because uh, Iowa State did not play well at all in its first game of the season against Northern Iowa. However, that game was two weeks ago now. Now you have Iowa State coming off a bye. And I think anytime you don't play well, I think the bye, if you don't play well going into a bye, but still win, I think the bye is really advantageous because obviously you don't get the loss on the schedule and you get some more time to figure out maybe what went wrong and obviously more time to prepare for your next opponent. So that would already make me think, okay, if I can get a good number on Iowa State, regardless of the opponent, I might look to play them. Matt Campbell, the coach there, young, rising, respected coach coming from Toledo a couple of years ago. He's done some good things with the Cyclones. Now, you consider it's an in-state rivalry game. It's the first time ever college game day is in Ames, Iowa. I look at this and it feels a lot similar to last year when college game day went to Washington State and the Cougars put a hurting on the Oregon Ducks, leading 27 to nothing after half and going on to win the game comfortably. I love Iowa State to win this game. Uh, I think that they come out fired up off the bye in the in-state rivalry atmosphere. Uh, I think they'll, they will certainly be a home field advantage for the Cyclones. I'm on Iowa State plus a two. Let me tell you, Greg, you know, I, I, I truthfully, I respect all your opinions, but I'm going to have to tell you, you are dead wrong here. Iowa State will not win this game. <laughs> not only will they not win this game, they will not cover. And let me tell you why. I have a different outlook, right? Greg, you ever played basketball? You know, would you rather play well. for, oh, that's fine. Would you rather play two, three minutes, four minutes, not be able to get a rhythm? Then you're taken out, you know, then, then you're expected to just go back in the game without any rhythm. Like, would you, would you want to do that? Probably no. not. Okay, okay. No, no, no. Let me tell you. So I hate this bye week too. I, I hate it. I, I don't understand. You, you, you have the whole offseason, you're practicing, you're getting ready. You play one game and then all of a sudden you're off one week. I, I don't like that. Instead, I'm going with the Iowa Hawkeyes, who've opened the season 2-0. They're ranked. They're, quote-unquote, on the road. Obviously, in-state rivalry. I expect the stadium to be split. I think Iowa's the much better team. I think they have a chance to show it. And I think Iowa State is weak. You know, like I, like you said, at home, they struggled 
to win, uh, you know, and I just think they showed a lot of weaknesses. Iowa really has a knife holding in their hands. They have the opportunity to stick it right in the gut of Iowa State and win this game. This will be a big road win for Iowa, and I really think they get it done. They're not looking ahead. They're at home next week. You know, they this is this is their game. Like you said, college game day here. Iowa wins this game. Better team beats Iowa State. Let's take a break and check in with our sponsors and come back with some NFL picks. Every guy looks better and feels more confident when he puts on a suit. There's one problem. Guys keep buying generic off-the-rack suits. That's why Blue Wire is pumped to partner with Indochino for an amazing deal on a new suit. Indochino is the world's leading made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. Looking to get married? They have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. It's easy to get started. Visit a stylist at one of Indochino's 40 showrooms in North America and have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. This week, Full Slate listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Promo code Blue Wire for any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. This is an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, when, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all the picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do it. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Showtime goes undercover with Greg Frank. We're going to transition from the college ranks to the National Football League. It's week two in the NFL. And Matt and I both have some more agreement. Never a bad thing, though. Two minds on the same side is always better than one. Matt, I'll let you drive the car first. Where are we going for our first investment in the National Football League? Greg, I am taking us to one of my favorite preseason teams, one of my enemies of my own Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm taking us to the New York football giants at home. You know, before I get there, I hope everyone printed some money with me Monday night and Thursday night. I, I hope everyone's baseball bets have been going well, but, but it's football time. So let me, let me get this started, right? This was one of the games. I don't know if you remember, Greg, but I, I obviously am on the Giants. Over five and a half wins. Giants own one. The plus seven I took last week against the Cowboys didn't really pan out. But, you know, in my mind, the Giants didn't look that bad. Dak Prescott just put on a show and showed why he deserved to, to be paid. But the Giants now come home again. I identified this game against the Bills week two as a very winnable game for the Giants. And I'm sticking with my preseason prediction. So going right off of that, like I said, the offense didn't look that bad. You know, Eli Manning, we've seen him have worse games. He had 306 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions on the road. You know, in a tough place to play with, with a tough team coming in with high expectations. Uh, losing 35-17 to 17 wasn't ideal, but it was really the Giants' op, uh, defense that didn't look as good. I think we can both agree that the Bills' offense isn't what the Cowboys' powerhouse of an offense is, right? You know, Saquon Barkley still eclipsed the 100-yard mark with 120 yards. He didn't find the end zone. I have a feeling that's going to be a little different at home. I think Saquon Barkley breaks the 100-yard mark again, but finds the end zone not once, but twice in this game. You know, like I said, they're coming off a hard divisional game on the road. Coming home, there's, there's not much better than that. In front of the home crowd, this is the home opener. 
think this team is, is, you know, they're still in the Eli Manning stage, but they know what they have in Daniel Jones, or they hope to think what they have in Daniel Jones, and they know what they have in Saquon Barkley, and they're slightly trending upwards. You know, to the Bills, they're coming off an emotional win last week where they put up 14 points, a comeback from behind win against the Jets. You know, I know the Bills necessarily don't really travel, and they're not going anywhere. They're playing in the same stadium. It's a little bit of a weird scenario, back-to-back weeks. But a little stat, you know, that, uh, that, that you told me earlier in the week that, that we both didn't hate to hear. Teams starting the season, back-to-back road games in the first two weeks are 1-14 against the spread since 2015. So like I said, I would take that with That's a grain of salt. That's in week two. That's in week two, yes. So, I, you know, when, when their first game was on the road and their second game's on the road, in week two, they're 1-14 against the spread since 2015. Like I said, I would take that with a grain of salt, you know, since the Bills – you know, probably didn't even change hotels and they're playing in the same stadium. But nonetheless, they're not in front of their home crowd. And they had they're coming off, like I said, an emotional game. A lot of times we see them see teams come off emotional, come back from behind victories. We often see letdown games the following week. And it's the NFL, you know, it's any given Sunday. So just as the Giants had a, you know, quote unquote poor performance last week, it's very likely that we can see them bounce back and have a better performance in front of their home crowd at home. Let me tell you, Josh Allen, I don't care if he got the win. You know, I know that's great, but he looked pathetic. He had four turnovers. turnovers. Piling up. Four turnovers. Could have had a fifth interception or a fifth turnover that was called back. Two of the turnovers were interceptions. One went for a pick six and two were fumbles. And let me tell you, the Jets just simply couldn't capitalize. They, they capitalized once for one returning interception for a pick six. But two of the other turnovers led to punts, and another turnover led to a field goal. And then, obviously, they had the one interception called back. You know, that was a very winnable game for the Jets. And, hey, I'm happy because I was on the Bills last week, so I was happy to see that score. I was, I was pretty shocked, honestly. But the Bills' offense just didn't really impress me. Their defense was, like, all right. But, again, it didn't truly impress me with, with a new offense in the Jets have with their new head coach and new Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold still coming into his own. Their offense is still growing. This Giants offense is a little bit more mature. They have some more veterans. They have the Eli Manning presence. I don't see the Giants not being able to turn those turnovers into into points this week. And I, frankly, I don't see Josh Allen playing that much better. I really didn't like what I saw from him. Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit mobile. He can run, but, you know, I, I like the Giants here, and, and I think they picked me up one out of my six wins here. And I also played them on the first half. I think the Giants win the whole game through. Yeah, and one thing, too, that I want to mention, Matt, about the first two games on the road. Normally, I think the Giants are are an example of this, where you would you would see teams that maybe aren't supposed to be that good, the expectations aren't that high. Maybe at the end of the year, that home field advantage isn't worth as much because the fans have packed it in for the season. But at the beginning of the year, regardless of what your expectations are going to be, that first home game is always going to be one that fans are going to look to come out and support for, especially the New York faithful. Yeah, so, unless to the Miami Dolphins. Right. <laughs> and obviously, they yeah, are. My, my, uh, my, my over four and a half loss, are, it's done. It's done. It's done. <laughs> They're pathetic. They're pathetic. Already conceding after one week. But I, I think that. In most cases, a home field advantage that you might look at as an average home field or a below average home field early in the season is probably going to be looked at and should be taken a little more seriously because in most cases, the fans are going to show up at the beginning of the season before everything blows up. And that would seem like the case for the Giants, right? Maybe at the end of the year, everybody's packed it in and they're thinking about you know, who's going to be hitting cleanup for the Yankees. But at the same time, right now, it's still a, a breath of fresh air, a new season. The Giants are coming back home after, uh, you know, getting their rear ends kicked by the Cowboys. I think they'll be fired up to get back home in this one. And at the end of the day, the Bills, mediocre team. Do we really see a Buffalo team winning back-to-back road games? I, I, I don't see it. I, I agree with you that the Giants are going to win this game. Yeah. Any final words on this game before we move on? No, no. I, I, I like the Giants. I, like I said, I also like them all the way through in the first half, too. I think they come out at, at home, and, and I think they win this game. And I played the Giants plus two earlier <laughs> in the week. I'm just going to sit on that. I feel pretty good about it. I want to go next to another game that we're also going to agree on, and I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Craig, finish- let's, get that, let's get that late game a little bit later. That's a big game. Let's get that a little bit later. All right. Well, fair enough. I'm going to next go to uh, uh, the Motor City in a spot that I love to take advantage of. And that is the Detroit Lions, the short 
home dog against the LA Chargers. My gosh, are the Chargers riddled with injuries. Hunter Henry just went down this week. It looks like Mike Williams may not play in this game. Uh, we know that Derwin James has been out. They lost a, another player in their secondary. Uh, Russell Okung, their left tackle, is not going to be there. And we know that Melvin Gordon's holdout is continuing. The, the Chargers, I think, are going to be a mispriced team early on in the season. They won that game last week against Indy. Did not cover, and I, I think they're going to be riding off of some perception of what they were last year. But in reality, it's a new season, and they're shorthanded. So let me go ahead, and I'm going to play Detroit. I missed the three when it opened. It went right to two and a half. It's kind of stayed there. So you know what? I'm taking the Detroit Lions on the money line. The Lions last week were very good for three quarters in Arizona and just fell apart. But that's the type of thing we look to bet on the next week. Detroit against Arizona, 477 to 387 total yards, 90-yard difference. Yards per play was even more drastic. Six yards per play for Detroit to just 4.7 for the Lions. Time of possession, obviously, it was an overtime game, so you had over 60 minutes uh, in the time of possession. 39-23 for Detroit to 30-37 for the Arizona Cardinals. Phony result in the tie there. I look for Detroit to come back at home. As we said, home opener, normally something we look to, you know, they look to rally behind regardless of any team. And I think the Lions faithful will show up here. Give me the Lions on the money line. I bet this at plus 115. Yeah, you know, Greg, just to touch on this game a little bit, you know, I, I can't be, I can't, really can't make this up. I mean, you may believe I literally just placed my bet as you were speaking on the Lions. I didn't have it on my card. I'm going to add on the card. This is an interesting game. I'm going to have to look up some statistics for this because I just realized this now, actually. Both of these teams played overtime games last week, you know, so I want to see the correlation when two overtime, two games that finish in overtime uh, play the following week. There's got to be something going on there. I, I don't know right now, but I'm going to take a look at that, you know, so obviously throw the overtime, throw the overtime factor out there since they both played, throw the travel factor out there since they both played on the West Coast, you know, Detroit was at Arizona and LA was at home. Now they're both traveling to Detroit. So it's kind of interesting because I would usually take an angle uh, against the team that played an extra quarter or against the team traveling like that, you know, but obviously early in the season, I think we can both agree one extra quarter. It doesn't mean as much as, you know, it does in maybe a week 12 or a week 13, you know, so, something like that when players are a little bit more tired. But I, I think you're right here. You know, the Lions didn't look that bad. The Chargers, they didn't look bad, but they struggled at home. You know, I know they don't really have the home field advantage, but they struggled against a Colts team. I know that Colts team was playing Backup with a lot of heart. I know Brissette's yeah. one of the ones. But, hey, Matt Stafford had a nice game last week. Yeah, I, yeah. And, 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 and I know that, I know that you know, the, the Colts played with a lot of heart that last week. But you thought the Chargers would have came out and put on a better performance than that. And it wouldn't have taken overtime to beat the Colts. But, unfortunately, it did. And, you know, they, they could have easily lost that game. I do think that this is a good opportunity as a, as a buy low on the Lions coming off of that letdown of a lead last week and, and tying that game, you know, even though the Chargers didn't look too good with a small line on the road. Again, I don't, like you said, I don't see the point in playing two and a half here. I'm playing the money line here for one unit on the Lions, and I see an upset possible. I'm not in love with it, but I think it's worth a unit. Good to see that we're on the same side of that game as well. I know you got a couple of max plays. Let's get to them, wrap up our picks, and then just touch on some of the other yeah. big games in the NFL. Yeah, but before I get to the max plays, I'm just going to run through a couple other plays that I really like. You know, not much to say about them, but I just like them. You know, I, I like the Skins and Cowboys to go over the total of 46. I played that earlier in the week. I, I think the Cowboys' offense looked great. I saw Case Keenum look good. You know, I was at that Eagles game. Case Keenum didn't look bad. Skins home opener. Uh, it's a divisional game, just like the Skins and Eagles went over. A Skins defense got burned a few times. I could see the Cowboys defense burning a few times. And again, Case Keenum was slinging the ball. The Cowboys let up 17 to the Giants. I don't see why there's any reason why Case Keenum can't find the end zone two or three times, just that he did against the Eagles. I like the over there. Another play that I like, just a little small. You know, I'm taking the Ravens team total over 29 and a half. I know they played the pathetic Dolphins last week, but they put up over 50. L Lamar looked unleashed. He looked great. Now they're coming home. You know that stadium's going to be rocking. I think they're going to. I think they're going to keep the foot on the gas, right? I, you know, I, I really just think that I, I'm riding this. I'm riding the Ravens team total over until it loses. And hey, if it loses here, then so be it. But I'm taking it over 29 and a half because I think there's going to be points in this game, and I don't see why there's any reason why Lamar and the boys can't find the end zone four times and, and, and a field goal. And I know Mark Ingram has to make up for his pathetic 
TD celebrations last week. So his boys were on him. He was on ESPN talking about it. He's going to find the end zone, and he's going to have a, t- a TD celebration ready. And one more play I, I really like. You know, I'm going with the Jags, first half under. Texans coming home against an emotional loss on Monday Night Football against the Saints. Really heartbreaking. I know they're in front of their home crowd, but I think it's going to take them a little bit to get going after last week. I think they're going to really try and establish the run, really try and control the game, control the tempo there. You got the Jags. I know Minshaw came in, looked good. But, you know, you got a rookie quarterback making his first start on the road against J.J. Watt and the boys. I, I like first half under 21 and a half there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere around 17 points total, maybe a 10-7 or even a 17-0, a 14-3, something like that first half. And those are a few plays that, that, that I'm looking at. Let's go right into it then as we continue to keep the picks rolling. I don't have anything strong on any of your picks. No real agreement or disagreement on a lot of those. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I do think the one that I, if I had to play any of them, I do think that Redskins-Cowboys over is a good one because anytime you have quarterback uncertainty, you just want to make sure that the quarterback that is there can move the ball enough for where to where Washington could maybe get to 20 Right. Because then yeah. you, think about, you think about Keenum and the perception there would be that he's basically a backup quarterback in a lot of ways. But if you can if you can look in the box score and, and, and see that last week against the Eagles, he moved the ball enough, then that total might be a little in little too low just based off of the name that's playing quarterback for Washington. So, uh, yeah, I, I, and if they fall behind early, you know, to the Cowboys, they're going to be slinging the ball and in case game has no problem airing it out. And he can make some throws. Let's be honest. He made some throws last week against the birds. He can make some throws and, and vice versa. If they get out to an early lead, like they did last time, you know, I'm not counting the Cowboys out. I see the Cowboys coming back just as the Eagles did. And I see, I see that total going over with ease. But you got to get our max plays, max right? plays. One of them I agree with. I'll let you just go ahead and, and discuss and, and we'll, we'll move forward. Greg, it is showtime this week. Let me tell you, <laughs> I have two max plays. It's my first two max plays of the NFL season, and I don't throw these out lightly. I had none last week, and yeah, it's ironic that I had none week one and I have two in week two, but let me tell you, they are justified. And I am going to Pittsburgh, which is where we agree for our first max play of the NFL season and of week two, the Pittsburgh Steelers minus three and a half. You know, I got in when it was at three and a half, but if it's at four, you buy the half, you pay one. It, it, it doesn't matter. I, Craig, you could take this at minus seven. It, let me tell you, it doesn't matter. Big Ben is 80 and 27 at home in his career. That's a 75% win rate. His QBR at home is 10 points higher on average than on the road. In his early starts, which this game is at 1 p.m., Big Ben's winning at a 72% rate, let me tell you. And that is in comparison to his 54% rate in the afternoon. I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, when Big Ben gets up early, he's balling. He can keep an eye out on their week three game when the Steelers travel across country to the 49ers with a time change in playing in the afternoon. Like I said, you can circle that one, you know, because the win rate drops off almost about 20% those afternoon starts. So that's one we'll keep an eye on for next week. But let's stay focused on this week, right? You know, Big Ben, obviously, in the AFC, hasn't played the NFC as many times as he's played the AFC, but he has a nice record there, 38-17. and 17. That's a 69% win rate. Obviously, all these records are straight up, but let me tell you why the straight up and the points don't matter, Greg. You ready for this one? Out of Big Ben's last 25 home wins, dating back the last five seasons, only four of those 25 wins has he has his steel, Pittsburgh Steelers won by three or less. That's wow. an astonishing That's 20. Strong. One out of 25 of their last home games, the last five seasons. You know, he's covered this three and a half total. In those 25 games, Greg, he has an average margin of victory of 14 and a half. That's over two touchdowns. You know, it, that's, that's amazing. 20 out of 25 of those games has he won by over a touchdown, a touchdown or more. 15 out of 25, he's won by double digits. So pretty much what I'm telling you is if you think the Steelers are going to win, you don't need to play the money line play the spread and you know if you don't agree with me that's fine but you're an absolute moron to take the Seahawks plus four because the Seahawks <laughs> oh. are somehow going to win this game or they're going to get their asses blown out and, and they're going to be on the bus in the third quarter there's, yeah. there's no way that the Steelers win this game and don't cover they either win and they cover or they have an embarrassing loss and the Steelers are in trouble and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell 
are eating popcorn and tweeting some eye emojis because they are laughing. Now, let me tell you, forget forget the Steelers, right? Forget how good Big Ben is at home. You know, by the way, he threw zero touchdowns last week over his last 12 seasons. That's only happened 18 times. The previous game, uh, the next game following zero touchdowns, he's 15 and three in those games. So whether he has a great performance or not, the team rallies. They bounce back after a poor, poor performance of their quarterback, Big Ben. Not to mention the Seahawks, they're traveling across country. A three-hour time change. This is 11 a.m. start for them. They let Andy, uh, 10 a.m. start, I'm sorry, even earlier, you know, before their breakfast is even in their stomachs. They let Andy Dalton throw for 418 yards with John Ross burning them for 158 yards and two touchdowns. I don't even think John Ross was owned on any fantasy teams last year, Greg. And this man went off for 158 yards and two touchdowns. What do you think? Juju Smith-Schuster is going to do sure. against this dog sure. team. I, I mean, yeah, come on. Is their weakness, too, defensively. They got to be I mean, seven. They're not it, it, 418 yards. Big Ben had a poor performance. You know, I, I, I'm no psychic, but it just sounds like the perfect way for Big Ben at home in front of those Pittsburgh fans to bounce back. Not to mention Russell Wilson. We know how good he is at home, Greg, and we know that 12th man, 79%. But let me tell you, when he's away from that stadium without that 12th man, his win rate on the road drops to 55%. That's mediocre quarterback. That is not elite Russell Wilson level. Let me tell you, we also know something about Russell Wilson. He's amazing on prime time. It's actually astonishing how good he is under the lights. 79% win rate on prime time. By the way, I have that week five game at home against the Rams on Thursday night football for the Seahawks circled. I also have the Monday night football game at home week 13 against the Vikings circle. You can circle both of those because I'm a big fan of Russell Wilson primetime. But let me tell you, Greg, this is going on during the day. Not Kirk Cousins primetime, right? (laughs) Uh, Don't even let me get started on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I, I, I could talk a whole podcast about Kirk Cousins. Anyway, you know, this is not prime time. This is at one o'clock games. You know, he's winning only 57% of his games where he starts at one o'clock. Obviously, being a West Coast team, this is a small sample size, but 57% as opposed to 79% on prime time and 66% at, at the afternoon slot. You know, it just goes to show that these players, you know, are human. The travel and the time t- change does take effect, and, and he just isn't as good as the on the road. You know, again, here we see a QBR rating. Five points average less on the road than at home. Without the 12th man, Russell Wilson is, frankly, Greg, let me tell you, he's an average quarterback. He really is an average quarterback. I agree. I want to get in on this game because I've also maxed the Steelers minus the four. We talked about this before we hopped on. Teams that start 0-2 traditionally do not bounce back to make the playoffs. It happened twice last year with the Seattle Seahawks, ironically, and the Houston Texans. But if we go before last year, from 2007 to 2017, 91 teams started 0-2. Only 10 of the 91 came back to make the postseason. So there is, I think, we're going to see in Week 2 some urgency from the 0-1 teams, particularly like Pittsburgh, that is coming home after being 0-1. That would also apply. I know we're not expecting the Giants to be a playoff team, but they're coming home after a loss as well. I just think you see these teams bounce back and play some inspired football around their fans in the home opener. Also, let's look at Seattle last week. You mentioned a little bit about what Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati offense did to them. This box score is unbelievable to think that Seattle won this game. First it's down, wild. Wild. First downs 22 to 12 for Cincinnati. Total plays 70 to 49 for Cincinnati. Total yards 429 to 232 right. for it's Cincinnati. Like, you know, can we, can we, can, it's kind of like where you, you, you score a goal in soccer. And you, I mean, you dominate the game. And you play and the you whole game in your own zone after the goal, right? Like right, right, You dominate the game the entire time. You're out shooting them, out shooting them. You hit the post two or three times, and somehow you walk away and you lost one nothing. That, that's what this game sounds yep. like to me. Possession was 35-50 to 24-10 for, for Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, I'll take it because I'm in an eliminator and Seattle was my pick, but I'll fully cop to not deserving this at all. Seattle should have lost this game. And you know what? Traditionally, Matt, we see Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll start a little slow. I mentioned they were 0-2 last year and came back to make the playoffs with double-digit wins as a wild card. I'm not that concerned about Seattle having lost this game. I still, If they do lose this game, which they're going to, I still like Seattle long-term to make the postseason, and I would still pick them to win the NFC West. But at the same time, love the Steelers here. 
overreaction city uh, early on, like we mentioned in the open. What do we really know about these teams? How much can you base it off of one game versus your preseason expectations for this team? I am much more inclined to go with my preseason expectations when it comes to the Steelers. I think they respond in a big way. I'll lay the four to back Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think it's a crime. I, I don't know who's letting me put my money on this, but I, I I feel like I'm just literally walking up to an ATM machine. I'm putting my card in and I'm taking out as much as I want because this is a winner. Let me tell you, Greg, I have another one of those winners. I have another walk up to the ATM, put your card in, enter the amount you want, take it out because that's what this is. You guys have been asking me on Twitter all week. I put it out early for DM for the details. I said, you got to listen to the podcast because that's the only way I'm giving it out. And let me tell you, I am on this play like white on rice. Give me the Green Bay Packers at home on the money line, minus two and a half, both of them, whichever you want, because it won't matter here, Greg. I am taking... Aaron Rodgers at home in this spot, and I think it's an absolute gift. I, you know, Greg, I, I can't wait for this game to happen any sooner because I just can't wait to, to, to collect my money already. I, I literally just can't wait. Like, <laughs> I don't understand what is going on in someone's head if you're betting the Minnesota Vikings here. If you don't want to bet the Packers, you're a moron. But if you're betting the Minnesota Vikings, I have no words for you. I really don't know what the hell you're thinking. I... I can't fathom betting on Kirk Cousins in this spot. Let me tell you why, Greg. Kirk Cousins, Greg, I can't even get it out of my mouth. I'm going to throw up. He's 13-23 and 23 with two ties on 38 games on the road. That's a 34% win rate in the road. It's kind of embarrassing that this man is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, I get it. You're better at home. You're better on the road. But we even spoke about, you know, like Russell Wilson, how, how, how he drops off at the road. You know, he's still over 50%. Kirk Cousins is at 34%, Greg. Like, that's just, that's absolutely embarrassing. (laughs) He is not, Greg, not good is nice. You are being nice. This man is pathetic. He should not have a job, let alone be getting paid all that freaking money he's getting paid. It's absolutely embarrassing. And I apologize if you are a Minnesota Vikings fan because it's embarrassing. You know, this is, by the way, this is only his second start in Lambeau Field. It's a tough place to play. Let me tell you, he actually didn't do so bad last year. But somehow, they still walked away with a tie. Let me just run you through last year's game, though, if you remember. Do you remember that one, Greg? Oh, yeah, tie. Yeah, Clay Matthews with the big hit. Crazy game. The Vikings come back. They score 22 points in the fourth quarter while somehow allowing the, the Packers on their three scoring drive, holding them to three field goals each drive. One of those drives started at the 13-yard line where the Packers only established negative five yards and kicked a field goal. You know, I have a feeling that if Aaron Rodgers gets three chances in the fourth quarter this time around at home, I have a weird feeling he's going to get in the end zone at least once, if not more, Greg. And I don't think the Vikings are going to score a touchdown with under a minute left. And then, I don't know if you remember, it got even more wild. The Packers had a chance to win with a field goal. They missed. The Vikings then had a chance to win with a field goal. They missed. That game went on to end in a tie. But let me run you through some stats. This game ended in a tie. In a tie, Greg, Kirk Cousins went 35 of 48 from the field, 425 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Probably the best game Kirk Cousins could possibly play at Lambeau Field. And they couldn't win. Meanwhile, on the other end, Aaron Rodgers was only 30 of 42 from the field, 281 yards, and only one touchdown. So, you know, that's a pretty poor game. Not what we expect to see from Aaron Rodgers. And again, let me emphasize, the Vikings did not win this game. They tied. This is an A-plus performance from your quarterback, Kirk Cousins, and you couldn't win the game? I don't know what else there is to say. We saw the Packers improve defense on display last week. Now, obviously, it's early in the season, so is the Packers' defense good or is Mitch Trubisky that bad? You know, that is yet to be determined. But, but hey, after one game, the Packers' defense looked good. They caused five sacks. They only allowed 46 yards on the ground, which will be a big story this week, obviously, with the Vikings feeding Dalvin Cook last week. You know, Aaron Rodgers started off a little shaky, but after that start, you know, come back at home, another week of practice. Remember also, Greg, they had extra days of rest as they played the opener on Thursday night. They've had this game circled. And let me tell you another thing. You know, I hate the must-win equals a win scenario, but it just seems like a lot. If they come out at home and they lose this game, what the hell was the win at the Bears? What did that do? Then you just lost to the Vikings. Now the Vikings are sitting 2-0, and you know, and they just beat you on your own home field. You know, this, if they were to come and lose this game to the Vikings at home, it really just takes away from the significance of that win. Rather, imagine they win this game. They're sitting at 2-0. and 
2-0 in the division, already a win at the Bears, already a home win against the Vikings, and the Packers are on their way to gaining back a divisional crown, which is what I predicted before the season. They're on their way back to the playoffs, not to mention Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I don't know if you care about things like this, Greg, but sometimes I do. He is winning his games at home at a 78% clip. You know, that's just absolutely. Of course I care about that. You know, that's just absolutely amazing. At home, Greg, he's 7-2-1 and one against the Vikings with an average margin of victory of 19 points. 19 points. You know, I know it's only seven games, but again, this is the game. You know, this is whatever you think about the Packers, just fade Kirk Cousins here because he is abysmal on the road. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be a hostile environment. The Packers are going to be ready for this game. And like I said, this is just as big as the game is last week because if they let this game go, it's like game one meant nothing in my mind, and it sets them right back to square one. And, you get some, some prep time for Green Bay, too, off the mini-buy, which can never hurt. And, and, hey, one thing that you talked a lot about Cousins, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm with you in terms of, uh, you know, fading him. But, hey, that Green Bay defense looked pretty good last week. And you get Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, a couple of edge defenders that can get to the quarterback. Uh, and, and Rashawn Gary as well out of Michigan, who they drafted. They put a concerted effort into uh, bolstering their pass rush. And so I, it would be the side I would play here. I'm just not as strong with it as you are. Uh, so the Packers, uh, you're, you're taking the minus two and a half. Yeah, yeah Greg, you, you take this one to the bank. You, you need to buy your girlfriend a gift. Yeah, here you go. Buy it. You need a birthday gift for <laughs> your that's friend. That's why I'm playing it. Okay here. <laughs> yeah, Greg, let me tell you. You play this, you can take whoever you out want to dinner because this is a winner, Greg. You know what? You can parlay the Steelers and Packers too because they're both coming away with Ws. I'm going to do that on Sunday. I'm going to put it out. So you can bet your bottom dollar. Packers, Steelers, 2-0. There you have it. Couple of max plays from Matt. I am with him on a max play on the Steelers spread. He is also maxing the Green Bay Packers. Hope everyone enjoys the weekend of football. Matt, always a pleasure. We will be back at it on Monday to recap the weekend uh, from the college ranks and the NFL. Any final words? Yeah, and just just you know, remember just to, just to just to always check in for our Twitter, you know, just for picks that we're going to be at. And, and in case you, in case you missed any picks here, we all, all we're going to probably be putting all these picks on our Twitter. Uh, I'm at Showtime Cappers and Greg's at, at Undercover Greg Frank. Make sure if you're not already following, you know, I don't know what you're doing. You must not Frank, like no at Undercover, sorry, at Undercover Greg. You know, I don't know what you're doing. If you're not already following, like I say, you must not enjoy free money because that's all you got to do. You follow, you just turn the notifications on, you place the bet, you wake up the next day, and you are in the green. It's as simple as that, folks. Don't miss out. This weekend, we are printing big. There you go. That'll wrap things up on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Showtime goes undercover with Greg Frank. We'll be back on Monday, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. And remember, please play responsibly. <laughs>